Yes, after six long months, the Brisbane Roar have finally reached their ultimate goal of qualifying for the 2021 FFA Cup and the A-League Finals. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam with you for the start of this podcast. I think we're up to episode number, we'll call it 25, of the 2021 A-League and W-League season. Adam, how are you going? I'm good, and I'll go on the record saying I am not Frank Bruno Skevich. Are you sure about that? Okay, well, what about you, Scott? I always thought that's who we were talking to on this show, wasn't it? James, Scott, and Frank. But it's basically <laughs> the qualify for the Magic of the Cup. That's all it's all about, right? Yeah. Uh, look, and also yes, congratulations that's... to Warren and the A-League side for getting through the A-League finals yep. with games spare, but the Cup's a nice bonus. Isn't that right, Frank? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, no, congratulations to Warren Moon and the... Uh, so I know, I know that... He made the Southern journalists uh, eat humble pie with their 10th place prediction for the Raw this season. Um, and just for the record, I tipped them fifth. So, yeah, very good. I think I, I, tipped, I, think I tipped them third or fourth. I'm trying to remember now, actually. Scott, you talk for a second. I know I had them in the finals. I remember that much. I think I had them finishing fourth or fifth. But I definitely had them in the finals. And, and yeah. Yeah, I think well, overall, absolutely. I don't think anyone was really questioning the... Uh, quality of this side. I think what has been the best um, bit that we've seen from from Warren Moon is just the fact that they actually made the finals by having that healthy balance of experienced players, obviously keeping the um, good visa guys like Jay O'Shea, Tom Aldridge, Macaulay Gillespie, but also having the chance to bring in a lot of the good young guys like Kai Truen, um, even giving someone like Josh Brindle South a chance, not to mention the exciting young Alex Parsons, who I Really hope the uh, coverage doesn't make me hate just by ramming down our throats on every broadcast. Yeah, look, it's uh, uh, look. I think that's probably going to be the the um, I guess the crowning legacy of this this run. So sort of no matter no matter sort of what happens, I like obviously we'd like to see him go you know, potentially all the way. But uh, I think for the time being, I think the fact is that you know, that the I guess the uh, investment in the academy that they've, they've put in. Um, it's starting to pay dividends, and there's there's, there's uh, guys in there that you know have been with the club for a number of years in the system. They're finally you know on the grand stage and um, and playing well, and actually you know getting their names up in lights. And Absolutely. Not to, Sorry. And, and I was going to say, not to mention as well the fact that it hasn't been easy. So I was talking to you, Adam, earlier today, and doing the maths. And saying right now they've played, I think, 10 games in 35 days. It will be 11 in 38 by the time they wrap up on Saturday against Sydney FC. It's just, yeah, it's been a remarkable achievement and arguably more mentally draining than anything else, Scott. Oh, definitely. I think it's the, 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 um, the toll that this season will have taken on the players physically and the, the coaching staff, all physically and mentally, is huge. What you just mentioned, the the grueling schedule they've been through. It's not over yet. They've got to play on Saturday and then they've got finals coming up and potentially Champions League after that. So it's been really grueling. But the thing that I'll remember this like this regular season for, James, is the emergence of not just the young players who Adam mentioned, it's also the players who stepped up from the, the NPL into 
the A-League and done really, really well. We'll go through it in our season recap in a couple of weeks' time, but the performances of some of those guys in particular have been absolutely superb. And to be able to qualify for the finals and potentially finish third on the table, we'll have to wait and see what happens with a team predominantly of players produced here in Queensland, a large percentage of coming through the Raw's Academy. I think that's a real achievement. Yeah, 100%. Well, I'm just uh, frantically searching through any and all notes that I have to try and find where the um, to f- trying to find where I actually had the raw in my season predictions. So that's the other reason why I've been stalling, and I will continue to uh, do that just quickly with a few plugs. You can get in touch with us. In- I'm frantically trying to find it. Um, so email brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com if you want to send in any comments, questions, show topics, what or whatever. Um, Facebook. At the Raw Review, we're still trying to uh, update that. Twitter, at BNE Football. On both of those social accounts, you will find live coverage of several uh, Brisbane Raw senior matches, all Brisbane Raw senior matches, in fact, plus uh, the selected NPL games. And also, feel free to listen to the podcast on Wooshka, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and a bunch of other good podcast platforms. You can leave us a review and share and subscribe and all of that. I finally found the prediction. I still don't know which notebook it was in. I just found the photo on my phone. Actually, I think it might have been in my one at work. That could be why. So I had the raw finishing fourth on the season. So not too bad Uh, overall. And I did have City winning the Premier's plate as well. I won't mention where I had the Central Coast Mariners. (laughs) Okay, so Sunday. I'm three for three who had them in the finals. So I don't have it in front of me, but I know I definitely had the Roar in the finals. I'm pretty yeah. sure it was fourth or fifth. And, yeah, uh, I had, uh, and I also had Melbourne City and Sydney FC fishing one, two, so. Yeah. Right. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do the full. Yeah, we'll do the full uh, recap, and I definitely won't mention that I had the Melbourne Wooden Spooners finishing fifth. Okay, Sunday evening, it was not the overarching great performance that I think we would have been hoping for from the Brisbane Roars. They went down 2-0 to the Western Sydney Wanderers. And for me, Scott, it kind of felt like that was a uh, match that just fatigue almost got the better of the Roar, and they just didn't really seem like they were overly into the game. How did it look for you? Yeah, they were flat. They were pretty clearly flat in this game. And it's you can kind of excuse it in a way, given the heavy run that they've been on and, they had the big game midweek against Melbourne City, which they took a lot out of, and they were flat going into this game against Western Sydney. And I think they, they were pretty short-handed on the bench as well in terms of having real impact players that they could bring on to change the game in the second half. Obviously, Dylan Wenzel Halls, who the commentators told us time and time again, missed the, was unavailable due to an ingrown toenail. And I can tell you, James, I've played a game of football with an ingrown toenail, and after having it taken out, it is much more painful than you would think it is. So I can completely understand why he was missing in action on Sunday, but the bench was pretty thin, wasn't it? And that kind of contributed to it. There wasn't really a lot of spark he could bring on to try and change the game. Cyrus Demi came on and got himself involved a bit, but it just across the board, they were a bit flat, weren't they? And it was an, an opportunity missed in the sense that they could have potentially pushed for second place, but you can understand why they were flat given the heavy toll they've, they've gone through. Exactly. And, in hindsight, it was one of those performances perhaps we should have seen coming from the Raw, but overall it just, yeah, it was unbelievably frustrating, especially now looking uh, forward, Adam. If we knew that they would beat Perth, they'd be playing for second spot on the weekend, and I think that's where I'm going to keep coming back to, saying 
yes, like obviously they're in a good position at the moment, but it could be better. Look, it would be a case of, you know, it's like I said, that wasn't the only opportunity in the last sort of, you know, two or three weeks where a, a raw win could have seen them in second or playing off for second. So it, it was sort of, you know, lost opportunities there um, a number of occasions. But look, at the end of the day, it was always going to be hard to expect the raw to rattle off 11 wins in, in 38 days. At some point, there were always going to be, you know, some down performances and down performances where there was going to be rotation, which could throw, you know, game plans. As, you know, in, in respect to the Wanderers game, I uh, look, I think the game plan was done before they even kicked the ball. And uh, in case you weren't aware, Dylan Wenzel Hall's had a ingrown toenail. That, uh, good to hear. Yeah, good to hear. Um, yeah, and look, and that, that, there was a case of Alex Parsons who was supposed to get a, get a rest, but he had to start because of um, Wenzel Hall's um, you know, injury. And that probably just threw everything out. They only had six on the bench. So, and I think also, so I'll give a little bit of credit to Western Sydney. I think they also wanted it as well. I think they, they were still operating under the sort of, you know, the hopes that their finals campaign was still alive. They got the job done, you know, two, you know, pretty good goals from um, Bruce Kamau and Bernie Abini. But yeah, look, Raw were flat. It was probably a little disappointing. But then again, after the heavy toll, at some point we had to expect that they, they were going to put in a pretty sort of, you know, benign performance that they did at uh, Bank West on Sunday. What it actually did remind me of was that Adelaide game a couple of weeks ago where just the urgency wasn't there, probably through fatigue. And, yeah, as as you say, Adam, it was one of those ones that is just the product of the fixture list at the moment. Yeah, definitely. It was, it was a product, look, we said it before, it's a product of the fixture list and there's not much more we can say about that. They, they were flat. It was a pretty average game to watch. And I, Adam said the Wanderers played... Pretty well. I'm not sure they did. I, don't, I, don't, I thought it was a pretty average game across the board. The Wanderers had a couple of moments. They took advantage of them. The second goal probably came when the Raw were pushing, trying to get back into it. But I don't think the game got to any great heights, to be honest with you. As no. well as well as the, I'd say, well, as well as their probably their performances all season was probably one of their better performances. Um, but yeah, again, the, I, I sort of more to the point that they they probably had more to play for, and they sort of you know took their chances they could. Whereas Raw, I think when they got one nil behind, I think it's a case of well, we're going to try, but you know it was just wasn't their night. Yep. Um, my, it's my week for the three, two, one voting for the. Brisbane Football Review A-League Player of the Year. And, um, yeah, uh, three points, Scott Neville, two points, Riku Danzaki, one point, Jamie Young. I really don't want to have to elaborate any more on it because, well, let's be honest, it wasn't a fun night. You know what was a fun night? Last night up at Morton Daly Stadium as the Raw officially booked their place in the FFA Cup and A-League Finals with a 2-1 win over the travelling Perth Glory. And I... You know, point out that it was actually very rare for Perth to be travelling, uh, playing, was it their second straight away match on the back of eight straight at HBF Park? Yes, I know there were border closures involved in all that, but I don't care. It's still a funny joke. Uh, it was an own goal from uh, Jonathan Aspro and Riku Danzaki teaming up with Alex Parsons for two pretty spectacular goals before Wilson got one back for Perth with 85 minutes to go. And you know what, like, for all the talk about the Raw being flat on Sunday against the Wanderers, Perth needed not only to win this game, but they also needed to win this coming round 24 match to keep their finals hopes alive. And I just, I'm left with one big question, Scott. 
they did know that their finals hopes were dangling by a thread heading into this match, did they? Well, they knew at the end of it that they were done. I know that much, but it was it was <laughs> funny, wasn't it? Because against Wellington at the weekend, they had two of the big three starting. They had Keo and Castro starting to have Fornaroli on the bench for a bit of an impact to come on in the second half and change the game for me. He did it quite well for them over there in Auckland on Sunday. He started all three last night, Richard Garcia, and okay, they were half decent in the first half, created a couple of little opportunities, but the first goal was always going to be crucial at that point when they had the three of them in there, and fortunately for the Raw, it was a great cross from Brindle South, which Aspro turned in to his own net, but when that happened, Perth had very little that they could bring on to change the game. I was looking at their bench, and it was a bunch of kids. So, they, yes, they were they were flat off the performance against Wellington when they had to travel from Auckland and all the rest of it. But they also went all in from the start, and it did not work for them. And once that first goal went in, you pretty much knew that Perth were not going to get their way back into the game because the Raw could then really sit back and hit them on the counter-attack. And that's something the Raw do really, really well, isn't it? And that second goal set up from Parsons for Denzaki was absolutely sublime and a great finish. Yeah, the, um, it, it looked like on paper that um, Perth set up you know, their lineup to, to go all in. The problem is the execution just wasn't there in the end. You know? and that, look, that's great. And that's credit to the Raw as well. Um, the, defensively, you know, they, they, were, they were very, very good um, in, in the first half. They absorbed a lot of pressure. They're trying to, you know, they'll try and sort of counter punch as well on on the break. And uh, look, they're both they're chances of both sides in the first half, but neither could go. You know, land that knockout blow but um yeah the uh the opening goal was always going to be crucial in the second half and uh josh brindle south was the one that provided that you know with a just a brilliant cross that you know as you know jonathan aspropotamides he um i say he was very good until that point and i think again that, that was the case of it could have gone anywhere and unfortunately for him it went to the back and that beat liam liam ready and um yeah from there you Always thought that the Raw were probably going to either go on with it or, um, or at least you know hold out out Perth because yeah, um, they went all in. They they just couldn't find anything. Yeah, and if Perth did get that first goal, James, they probably would have gone on and held on because then they would have been able to be the team who sat back and made the Raw come out and attack them. So it was high stakes game for not just Perth but also Western Sydney who were eliminated last night as well. So cold comfort for the Raw after the loss to them on Sunday. They're eliminated anyway. But if Perth got the first goal, it could have been a completely different game and they might have been still alive. But the Raw, they did enough, didn't they? And look, that's not really fair. They did a lot more than enough. They were really, really good, particularly defensively. Adam mentioned it in the first half. But I thought Kai Truon was superb. Corey Brown had another great game. And defensively, with the key guys missing, James, as good as they are, they don't seem to miss them. It's crazy when you think how good Alder and Gillespie have been. The Raw are almost as good without them. Yeah, that is honestly the biggest takeaway as well is like we've been wondering like how to get Jordan Courtney Perkins into the side and performances like he put in last night are exactly why we've wanted to see him get more of a run and I know I know I've said all along that I want to see the Raw keep Macaulay Gillespie for next season but if he does happen to go like at least the Raw could then try and keep Courtney Perkins because he's been really really good and he fills that left-sided role so well but also, like, again, Kai Truen, you, I wouldn't have known that he's, what, 20 going on, or he's eight going on 20 or something. He's just showing a maturity that is unbelievable. And the fact that he just keeps getting asked to lead the defence is just remarkable. 
Yeah, um, that's a, it's the mentality of all the young young players, and that that's the thing. Is I remember, you know, I think it was either last year or this year, def, definitely about um, about when we said, oh, you know, Tom Aldred, you know, if he goes down, that's the end of the Raw's chances because defensively he's a rock. But uh, as Warren Moon pointed out last night, they've had eleven games without Tom Aldred, yet they've got probably. The, the best or the second best. I'm not where, sure where they're at as far as the statistics, but they've got a, you know they've got the second best defense in the league, and 11 games without your captain and your you know your key centre back. So the, the, the Kai Truon, you know for mine, you know put down the glass as far as you know most improved player of the year at the Raw, if not in the league, because his evolution from game one to game 26. It's just been incredible. You know, how much he has grown as a player where, you know what, um, Warren, Warren joked at the press conference last night, um, Macaulay Gillespie and uh, Tom Alder might have a hard time getting back into this side for um, Saturday or the finals. Well, you never know, and you can never be too sure. But it's also worth mentioning that uh, Truen has been deployed as a you know right fullback. I think he's even played a bit of right wingback this season, if my memory uh, doesn't fault me here. But... Yeah, he's played there and also he's played in the heart of a back three as well, which is you know, no mean feat for any defender, let alone a guy who, what, 12, well, maybe not exactly 12 months ago, but near enough to, was playing NPL. Yeah, he was. And he, well, I mentioned it last time because I asked him about Kai True and he started playing midfield, if you remember. remember That's the first right, defensive midfield, yeah. Under he who shall not be named, he made his debut playing in the defensive midfield area and... We always knew he was a defender because when he was coming through in the Raw in the academy, he was playing a lot of right-sided centre-back, bit of right-back, bit of centre-back. So we'd seen him play all those roles in the youth side. So it's that's where we always thought he would, would end up. But Adam's right. Defensively, this year he is... He, it was close between him and Ramadek Bari for most improved, but in the last month, Kai Truen has just gone to a whole other level. Yeah, he definitely has. And I'm glad you mentioned uh, Ramadek Bari. We'll touch on him after mm. we hear from the Brisbane Royal Coach Warren Moon in the press conference featuring Scott and Adam after the win over Perth. Yeah, I'm very proud. I'm very proud of what the club's achieved, not not just myself because I'm just one one cog in the chain. It's all of us. It's uh, from the top down to the staff to the people behind. I mean, we weren't really given much of a chance of making finals. You know, let's be honest. Uh, and I've said this all along. Internally, we believed. Um, and I believed in the squad we had and the talent we had coming through and what they could do. Um it's one thing believing, it's another thing going to do it. And, and tonight's great validation for the whole group that we've, we've achieved something. You mentioned being proud about the signing. Kai Truen's just felt over the course of the whole season. Is that one of the things you want some of the one of the things you're most proud of, the progress he's made over the course of the season? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, the moment I came in and saw Kai, I knew he was a player. Um, you know, we, we tried him in the midfield last year when needed. Um, but we know where he's best suited and, and he's just growing as a footballer and, you know, he's only going to get better. Uh, I got full confidence and belief in him as a footballer, and uh, <clears throat> and this season he's just got better and better. And you know I'm delighted for him and, and his progression. And just one on the game tonight, it was a very tight, tense game. How important was the first goal in the game? Yeah, I think it was very important. It was a, a tight game, and up until that goal, it was uh, you know I, I felt both sides shaded moments in the match where they took control and then we took control. Uh, and then we had momentum in the second half, and we found that moment of quality, you know, to get the goal. And, uh, and so it's swayed in our way. And as these tight games go, and it happened to us on Sunday, once you are a goal behind like Perth were, they put more numbers forward. And, and we called them on the break a few times and got the second. And 
proved to be critical. So that was the Raw coach, Warren Moon, after the match. And I do want to get back onto Ramadak Bari. Yeah, I, I honestly thought, like, without trying to sound too harsh, he was probably the 11th uh, name on the team sheet earlier on in the season. But the way his confidence has grown, obviously having to try and keep the likes of Jesse Daly at bay um, and hold on to his starting spot, I think that's been a remarkable improvement from the young midfielder. And it's, uh, it's actually been a really shrewd little bit of business getting him back from the victory, Adam. Yeah, look, uh, like I said, yeah, it's a full praise of um, Kotrum, but Roman Akibari as well. Like, we we're sort of questioning at the start of the season whether, you know, he, you know, he sort of, uh, whether he was sort of at this at this sort of, you know, level where, you know, he was seemed to be getting caught out, you know, early on in the season. But again, he, he has stepped up his game immensely where, you know, he's, he's picked, you know, every, every other week, every other second week in that rotation with, with Jesse Daly. And I think even Jesse Daly deserves, you know, mention as well that, you know, they, those two are rotating, you know, as far as depending on the game situation, you know, along with Joe Shea. And yeah, both both players have you know have done a, a sterling job in that midfield for the Raw. So this it's been you know success stories all across you know this squad. And they said to play finals football, and, you know, and finish as high as third. You know, for this squad, you know, if we kind of said that even dreamt that in January, you know, we would would have taken to the bank. Absolutely, and some of us may have uh, taken the Raw to the finals uh, to the bank, but that's a story for another day. Scott, any final thoughts on the Perth game? Yeah, firstly, gamble responsibly. <laughs> Secondly, but also... Always. With Ramadik, but it always sums up the Raw season, doesn't it? Sense it's a young player who's been a part of the Raw system for a while and ultimately went away to Melbourne Victory and came back. But it's players like that who's stepped up this year. And we said in the season preview player, I think Ramadik was one. There was a couple of other players we mentioned needed to really step up this year. And he's certainly done that. And collectively as a group, the, the younger guys in the squad have really stepped up and they've helped propel this side to the finals and look the performance against Perth was a fitting way to cap that and they've still got obviously the game to go against Sydney FC on, on Saturday it'll be very interesting to see who plays in that one because Warren Moon kind of hinted a couple of times last night that there might be a bit of rotation going on yes definitely alright Adam final thoughts on the Perth game yeah look uh, I think at the uh, end of the day mission accomplished for the Raw they made the final I hope that um it, it, it just it's there's more than just oh we're happy to be there and look maybe enjoy savor the moment for the next couple of days um the sydney game you know look there's still an opportunity to go on and you know get as high as they can even up to third but uh but yeah but then it's the sort of you know they, they don't want to be just you know be happy with oh we made the finals and sort of you know switch off they, this is a still a wide open um final series and look you string three together, you know, in next in the next month, and you could be holding up a toilet seat. Yeah, definitely. And uh, another much appreciated, really exciting trip to the Asian Champions League would await the roar then, and I'm sure we'd all be really, really happy to see that happen, wouldn't we? Anyway, Scott, speak for you yourself. Have... I very much look forward to the Champions League. Well, to be fair, if we can in, uh, do international travel by the time the 2022 Asian Champions League rolls around, we might have to take the Brisbane Football Review on the road. Scott, you can uh, give us your 3-2-1 votes for this game, for the player of the season. All right, so three points for Ricky Denzaki. He was great last night, capped off with a really good goal. Josh Brindle South was energy plus once again on the on the right-hand side for two, and Kai Truen for one at the back. I thought he was superb, so they're my 3-2-1s 
for the second last game of the season. I believe we have the winner announced next week. Yes, uh, we do. Be, well, we'll be actually announcing and presenting the trophy on Saturday afternoon. So get down Evening there. And you, see, the and you see... Uh, yeah. Evening by the yeah. time we get around to it. But um, I should also point out that it will just be Scott and Adam doing the trophy presentation because I will have to leave Morton Daly Stadium very, very quickly to commentate on an NPL match. Oh, wow. That's okay. <laughs> oh, I'll, make it, I'll make it back in time. Traffic's never uh, bad around Redcliffe, is it? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. No, my, um, no motorcade for you. <laughs> oh god no i don't get i don't deserve the motorcade anyway um we do just want to touch on this uh other very good bit of brisbane raw news that came out during the week josh brindle south's efforts have been rewarded with a multi-year contract extension so he's 28 years old i'm assuming he's going to be a fairly key part of the plans going forward as well so that's really good news and congratulations to josh for earning that well i suppose extension Absolutely. And the funny thing is, James, at the start of the year, if you'd said that Josh Brindle South would play more games this A-League season than Jack Hingard, I think we all would have thought that was crazy. But at the moment, I think it's 12 for for Josh and 13 for Jack with obviously one game to go in the regular season plus finals. So there's a good chance that at the moment with Josh Brindle South holding down that right-hand side position, he might play more games than Jack this year. And I'd say he deserves it. He's been absolutely brilliant when he's got that opportunity. He took him a couple of weeks to grow into it, but... The last six weeks in this long run where we're all played every other day, seemingly, he's been absolutely brilliant and good to see him back from that shoulder injury as well. Yeah, definitely. All right. Now, we have a special guest uh, waiting on the other line. So we are going to take a quick break on the Brisbane Football Review. I'm fairly certain this will be our first in about five months or something. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break after that and come back to discuss the upcoming Socceroos World Cup qualifiers. We'll be back after this. And we're back on the Brisbane Football Review, and we're no longer riding with just the three of us. We've also got Alex from the Queensland Socceroos fans joining us because after what feels like an eternity, Alex, the Socceroos are back in action. Yeah. Does anyone remember what they actually look like? Um, I'm just wondering. <laughs> I think there's a really tall bloke called Harry Sutar, maybe? Uh, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, the uh, fairly normal sleep schedule that we might have had, thank to the minimal international football for Australia is gone because the Socceroos are playing in the World Cup qualifiers coming up, Scott. It's great to see you again, Alex, but James, you lied to me. You said we had Frank Brunaskevich coming on the show. What's going on? <laughs> NSL legend. Okay. Um, I told you I'm not him. <laughs> uh, okay, I, think that, Frank. I think we've officially run that joke into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, Alex, you are our resident Socceroos expert, which really says a lot about uh, how much attention the three of us pay to international football. But um, (laughs) there's a fairly hefty squad over in the Middle East for Graham Arnold. What did you make of the overall uh, group of players that he decided to take? Yeah, well, you're right, James. There's 31 there, so uh, it's it's quite a big squad. Um, I think the two notable absentees that we have previously always talked about is Roy, uh, Aaron Moy, and Tom Rogic. Not Roy when you combine both of their names, like <laughs> I just tried to do. The um, midfield duo of Roy. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, there's one of those, um, you know, those celebrity pun name things that they come up with. There you go. There's one for Roy and. Uh, 
Tomrin, to, yeah, Tomrin Roy. There we go. Yes, thank you. Thanks, James, for digging me out of that uh, massive, massive hole. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, we've got the absences as well, but um, they do need. They are going to need quite a fairly wide uh, depth of players, just because they've got four games in twelve days, and even though the opponents, with all due respect, are maybe not the toughest opponents, but well, they're playing in forty degree heat four times in 12 days. So we should see a fair bit of rotation as well. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, I, I think um, really for me, the, the key player that will be in the playmaking role will be Ajahn Hustich. I probably have murdered that pronunciation as well, but um, I think he's going to be the uh, creative player that will hopefully fill the void of Aaron Moy and Tom Rogic. There we go. I got it. Adam, what are you expecting? Look, I expected nothing but uh, four games, uh, 12 points, and to go through undefeated. I, I really think that that uh, yeah, that at least for the first three games, we sort of the, the Jordan game is going to be an interesting one right at the end of the of the uh, sort of this hub, this hub where you know maybe there might be able to be rotation, but whatnot. But look, I expect I expect them to you know finish off this group nicely and then start looking about the third round. Yeah, I think I think that's perfectly reasonable. But I think the one thing that I actually am a little bit surprised about is just how many A-League players Graham Arnold decided that he needed to take a look at here, Scott, because for me, it kind of feels like this would have been a perfect opportunity to give a lot of the internationally-based players a real run-out because, let's be honest, the bulk of our really good players are based overseas, Scott. They are, but... It's- Oh, look, this is almost a generation next squad. You mentioned all the A-League players. There are also all the young guys, guys, James. Look at some of the guys who are in there in this squad who will probably go to the, to the Olympics at this point. People like Denny Genro from MacArthur is over there. He's probably going to make his debut at some point in this run of four games. Chris Economides is over there. Young Fran Karasic has been going quite well over in Italy with Brescia's there. So Conor Metcalf's had a great year for Melbourne City. So there's a lot of young guys in this squad. I think that's the intriguing thing is it's looking to the future because I think, I think we all agree after the first four games, if you can think back three years or however long ago it was that those games were played, it feels like three <laughs> oh years anyway. Four, four games, four wins out of four, so they're on 12 points. They're two points clear of Jordan and Q8, I think it is, with a game in hand. So the group's well in, well in their control. So it's a good opportunity, actually, to bring in the next generation, have a good look at them ahead of Tokyo, and see if one or two of them can really put their hand up to be a part of the serious World Cup qualifying to begin later in the year. Because at this point, I think we'd all agree that the the Socceroos should be, if they're not through, they should be getting through this group, given what's ahead of them. Yeah, definitely. I I think if they fail to get through uh, this group and also qualify for the 2023 Asian Cup, um, uh, there probably should be some form of national inquiry and uh, we may call it the darkest day in Australian football. So just doing a quick count as well, Alex, you've got quite a few uncapped players. Yeah. Uh, that is seven, if my maths is correct. And mm. out of those players, I'm most looking forward to seeing Ruan Tongnik. He's a guy who I've been yeah. very excited about, um, like watching him in the A-League. He just needs a little bit of stability. And it's been, uh, I think, a just reward for him and his form with the Mariners this season. Yeah, 100%, James. Completely agree. I'm a, I'm a big uh, Ruan Tongnik fan as well. Um, and, you know, what, I mean, what better partner to have than a Trent Sainsbury next to you or a Milos Degenek, um, both uh, outstanding centre-backs in their own right, playing over in Europe. 
Um, and hopefully, you know, uh, his form uh, that he's been playing with at the Mariners, he can bring to the Socceroos over these next couple of games. And, uh, yeah, hopefully he will get a run. I think of the um, uncapped players uh, that I'm most keen to see is, is actually uh, Kath Dougal, obviously, beside besides the fact that you know, he's, a, he's a Brisbane uh, boy and Brisbane product, but he's just been absolutely on fire lately, you know, obviously for Blackpool in in England. And I think he, while, while he's sort of, you know, in this vein of form, I think Graham Arnold would be silly not to at least you know, let him go keep with that momentum. You know, obviously winning is contagious, uh, even at that level. Now let's let's see what we can do at the uh, so, at the Socceroos. I know um, Scott's pretty angry at me for stealing that. Uh, <laughs> stealing that. <laughs> I just want to mention it's good to see Kenny Token Queensland and Google in the squad because the squad of thirty-one. We've got one Queensland produced player in the squad, but I wish we were playing at Wembley actually because it'd be absolutely perfect for him. But I am looking forward to seeing him make his debut. But the one I'm looking forward to seeing is actually Frank Karasic playing for Brescia over there in Italy because that's a position where the Socceroos. They don't have a lot of good options there. I know they play Rahai and Grant there, but I'm not I'm not convinced he's he's the absolute top level fullback we need to play international football. So I'm hoping that young Frank Karasic, if he does get the opportunity, looks solid enough that we can use him or look at him potentially as our long term solution at that position. Because if you think about it, pretty much since the glory days of Wilkshire and Emerson, but for a little patch of Ivan Franic, that's been a real tough position for the Socceroos to fill. So I'm hoping that he can fill that hole, James. I'm glad you mentioned Karasic there because I'll be honest, like he was in the World Cup uh, early squad in 2018. And since then, he's basically been like Carmen Sandiego. You know, where in the world is he? And he was somewhat <laughs> forgotten in that time since. But yeah, it is good to see him being brought back into the, into the mix as well. And obviously, you know, Arsenal's own Matthew Ryan, he's still going to get the uh, gig between the sticks, right, Alex? Uh, look, he is also a, uh, a Graham Arnold love child, I would say. Um, so he will, he will uh, definitely get a run between the six, I think. Um, also another uh, Graham Arnold love child, Danny Vukovic. No club, but picked in the squad. Um, most likely because of Mitch Langerak's international retirement, I dare say. Uh, but yeah, completely agree with you there, James, that uh, I think Matty Ryan will get the first crack at, uh, in between the six. Just speaking of Langrock, by the way, I, people, I can, can you remember the fallout? I'll interested what Alex thinks about that, but for me, I'm not surprised he's retired. I mean, the guy's been playing unbelievable football for in Japan for the last couple of years and not got a look in whatsoever. And the time when we need him, he doesn't want to travel because of he doesn't want to do the quarantine and miss out on time with his family. I mean, if you're not going to pick him when he's playing really well, I can understand why he doesn't want to play now, but the, the, the um, backlash, that's been crazy. Yeah, it's, it, it's um, uh, I guess it's the keyboard warriors again, isn't it, really? Um, it, you know, completely agree with you, Scott. The, the Mitch Langrack could not do any more than he did to actually get into the squad. Uh, the problem was he had, you know, Mark Schwarzer initially in front of him, now Matt Ryan, um, and he was always a backup keeper between them. So he has every right to uh, call time on his international career, like 90% of English players do um, <laughs> early. Um, but, you know, it's, um, yeah, it, it's justified. I, I, I can completely understand. It's, it's just, I guess, from a, a, a Socceroos fan point of view, it's a shame that he has retired because this would have been his time 
to make that number one jersey his. That that's where my disappointment lies. But I I, I don't begrudge him the call. That's for sure. Yeah, I I don't think you can ever really blame a player for saying, hey, I want to spend time with my family. Unless, of course, you know, you hate your family yourself, which I don't think a lot of people would. But, um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's a completely fair um, assessment. Now, I want to go all the way to the other end of the pitch. And obviously, Jamie McLaren has, annoyingly, been in red hot form in front of goals as a flat track bully for Melbourne City. Is he going to be able to continue that run, um, Alex, against these Asian sides where he is still finding his feet, I feel like, in the national team? Yeah, completely agree with you there again, James. Um, I think the the other issue is um, at Socceroos level, and particularly with this squad, who's going to supply him that quality ball that he needs? He needs the balls in behind, you know, over the, whether it's over the top or uh, you know a defensive line uh, splitting pass. Um, we don't have Moy with his uh, trademark reverse balls. We don't have Rogic with that just pure unpredictability that he brings. Um, so I think those uh, kind of uh, service that he needs will have to come from someone like an Arjun Vrustic again. Uh, potentially, uh, whether Riley McGree gets a run, he might be another player that's able to unlock uh, the low blocks that I think the Socceroos will, uh, will be facing. But um, I think it may... Uh, continue to be a bit of a struggle for McLaren to establish himself uh, as the number nine. Yeah, and to be honest, my other big thought on that as well is, I don't know if it's a good or bad thing, and maybe you can answer this for me, Alex. I can't actually pick a clear starting 11 out of this squad. And I, I do kind of wonder, like, there's battles all over the pitch. I think that's a good thing, but I also worry that there aren't a whole lot of embedded first choice starters in there that you just automatically throw on the team sheet without, you know, maybe resorting to a little bit of club bias or going to the familiar faces that you know so well. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, um, it, it, it's very hard. There's there's a lot of players sort of on a level playing field, I guess, in terms of both form or, or lack thereof of form uh, due to not being selected in club land. So, I think one of the key combinations that Arnie probably needs to pick would have to be uh, the Hibernian uh, duo of Martin Boyle and Jackson Irvine. I think that's a that could be a, a, a fruitful combination that he could look to um, in at least two of the four games. Adam? Yeah, look, I think um, it's almost by design that this this squad. Look, I, I agree with you guys that you know that, that you trying to pick an obvious eleven. Uh, this is, is near impossible, but it might be by design because I think the games against Kuwait and um, Nepal and, and Chinese Taipei. Um, I think you can pretty much get away with a mix and match and, all, and you know, sort of try and work on new combinations. But you would hope by that time that, you know, there'll be some semblance of what is the best sort of, I guess, you know, you know best 11 to 14, 15 players you know, for that Jordan game and, you know, at the end of this um this run, because I think that's when you know it starts to get serious as far as you know top quality opposition. Look, I think yeah, as far as you know, especially as Mil two games against Nepal and Chinese Taipei, um, I reckon the strikers should almost be filling their boots up. I think um, and, and, but 
look, I do, I do uh, take on board one point that Alex made that you know it, it's you know you might have the strikers there and look, Jamie McLaren. I'm sure there's no way that he's going to face anything more difficult than he has this season in the A League. You know, in this hub in Kuwait, but he needs someone to feed him the ball, and I think that's the important thing. If if there's that connection from the midfield, he he's going to have an absolute field day. But um, yeah, especially especially again if he gets to get a run against um against those two minnows, uh. You know, in the middle of this uh, four-game run. Back to your point, James. It's a big camp for the strikers, actually, because none of them have really planted the flag of I'm the number nine you can rely on going forward. I think McLaren, looking at it, has got five in 15 for the national team. Adam Taggart's got six. Apart from that, is Mitch Duke the only other recognised striker picked in the side? So it's a big opportunity for probably McLaren first up, but also Adam Taggart to really plant the flag of if it's only going to be one up front, I'm the guy it should be because none of them have done it so far, obviously. And it's a big opportunity to Adam's point against teams like Chinese Taipei and Nepal. Greatest of respect to them. They're sorts of teams we should be beating pretty comfortably. And if they're in form, they should be getting a couple of goals. And that could could unlock their international future. We saw as good as Scott McDonald was for the Socceroos, he never got the goal uh, and ended up fading. <laughs> Thank you, I, what, what, Was he good? He, he didn't score a goal. <laughs> But he, yeah. he might have ended up being a half-decent international striker, but his confidence never came with that goal. So hopefully for McLaren and Taggart's sake, they can get get a couple of goals in this camp and avoid that fate. Alex, I'll give you a chance to respond. Yeah, no problem. Um, first point, there was one strike he did miss there, the mighty Janu, uh, the, oh, yeah. uh, the, the, the towering uh, Greek man. He's made such Sorry, he's Australian. That's how much I remembered him. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Very much into Scott McDonald mold, I'd say. Um, so yeah, that 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 was really the only point I, I was going to add. But um, look, there there are a lot of uh, I I don't know if you want to add Nik- Nikita Rukovitsia there as well. Um, he's I guess he's one of those modern forwards, you know, who started out as a wide sort of winger and has added a bit more striking ability. He could be a bit of an unknown X factor. Um, he's had a really good season there in the Israeli league uh, for Maccabi Haifa. So um, I think he ended up golden boots uh, in, in the league there, um, 20 plus goals. So he, he could be another option that, that um, the Socceroos look to uh, if, if they're, I dare say he's probably more of an impact player, someone that's going to come off the bench for the last 20 to 30 um, and, and use his speed to get in behind and, and hopefully break down those low blocks. But again, it comes back to that point of who from midfield will supply that ball. Yeah. So I just wanted to quickly run through the question over goal scorers. And just looking at the squad, these are the players that have scored more than five Socceroos goals. Um, you've got Jackson Irvine, five goals from 34. He's a midfielder, obviously, so that's a fairly handy return. Matthew Leckie, the leading goal scorer in this squad, 11 from 63. He's a player that I feel like could be one of those guys who actually may even wind up being in contention uh, to be captain in some of these games as well. Um, you've also got 5 in 15 for McLaren, 4 in 14 for Awa Mobile. I'll throw him in there as well. And you've also got 6 in 11 for Adam Taggart. So the ability is there. I think it's just a case of Graham Arnold finding the right combinations. Now, we will keep uh, moving on because we do have a couple of other things to talk about. Alex, you're welcome to... <laughs> Stick Sorry, around. Adam, yeah. James, just before we move on from the soccer, is I'm going to make everyone feel really, really old here. The, retirement, the upcoming retirement of Mark Milligan means that the entire team in 2006, that great team which we all enjoyed, are all about to be officially fully retired. Yeah, right. Know, it's, ah. it's, 
what a great team it was for the yep. Socceroos, but it's now officially fully in the past. Yep, the yep. golden generation. Oh. And, I, and I will say congratulations on a great Socceroos yeah. career for Mark Milligan. Hated yeah, him most of the time when he, was pl- when he was playing for club, but that was mostly just due to rivalries. But anyway, um, so final question on the Socceroos. Alex, we'll start off with you. Um, how many points will the Socceroos get from their four matches? I I tend to think we will get uh, nine. I, I'm not sure whether it's going to be the Q8 game or the Jordan game we slip up, but I feel like one of them uh, is going to be the banana peel that, that, we, that we all don't want. Scott? If they're going to slip up, it's going to be Jordan again. That'll be the one that they slip up. I'll say 10 points. I think they'll draw the Jordan game and they'll win the other three quite comfortably. Adam? Um, I did say at the top that it should be 12, but look, I'll probably go, I'll go 10. <laughs> I'll go ten. I do think that yeah, the Jordan game may be you know maybe the one the one where they probably you know don't get maximum points, but yeah no, I think definitely nine from nine to start the first three games. I'm actually going to say nine solely because of the order of the fixtures, in that I feel like that Jordan game is probably not going to mean a whole lot to the Socceroos, whereas the Jordanians will almost certainly be playing to make sure that they get that second spot that sees them advance through the next stage of World Cup qualifying. You can catch all of these games. So Australia-Kuwait will be Friday morning uh, Brisbane time. Chinese-Taipei will be the morning of the 8th. Nepal, the morning of the 12th of June. And Jordan will be the morning of the 16th. And I think it's 4 a.m. No, I think it's 5 a.m., 5 a.m., 2.30, 2.30. So get the coffee ready. That's all I'm going to say. Alex, um, you're welcome to stick around while we quickly talk about the Matildas and Ollie Roos, if, you want to, if you're not yeah. in a rush. Yeah, no problem, guys. Yep. Okay, so the Matildas have uh, got a couple of friendlies coming up as well. They've got uh, Denmark on June 10, Sweden on June 15, as they get their final prep for Tokyo 2020 underway, assuming it still is actually going to be going ahead, Scott. Um, what are you looking for from these fixtures? Well, the Tony Gustafsson revenge tour continues, James, doesn't it? up against Sweden <laughs> now, but... Look, it's 25 players who've been picked in this squad, and you'd have to say they are the players who are in prime contention now to go to Tokyo as part of this squad. So it's a it's a battle because only 18 can go. It's not like a World Cup squad where 23 will be involved. It's only going to be 18 players. And looking at that squad, there's a lot of players there who, who've been a part of this side for a very, very long time who you would assume would be walk-up starts. But based on the performances in the first two games under Tony Gustafsson, I wonder if there might be a bit of a shake-up coming because it wasn't too flash in the first two games. So hopefully these next two games I can right the ship. But I'll be very intrigued to see who plays in these two games, actually, because that'll give you a real tell, real tell of who's going to be going to Tokyo, assuming it happens, to your point. And the other point I did want to make as well, it is all uh, European-based players once again, aside from Alex Chidiak and Emily Van Egmond, who are officially without a club at the moment, but both have been playing their trade in Europe, Adam. Do you think that's – do you take that as an indictment on the W League or just a case of taking players who have been playing meaningful matches a lot more recently? Not at all. It's not an indictment on the W League. It's just the choice of the of the coach. He obviously, uh, for whatever reason, you can you can say COVID is the, is the reason and the sort of travel restrictions and whatnot, or that's just his preference that he's only going to look at players based in Europe. Uh, otherwise, you would think that Lisa Devana would have been picked. So, um so yeah, look, I think that's the case. But look for for mine, it's it's time to put up or shut up for the Matildas, you know, and be very very firm on that. Is that you know now 
you know, the, the honeymoon period as far as that is over, you know, taking on Germany and Netherlands who are ranked ahead of them on the, in the world rankings. You can make up all the excuses you like, you know, about 400 days, you know, being apart and all the other, you know, you know, supporters that came out. But like I said, Sweden and Denmark are two, two nations. They should be, you know, if not, you know, competing against heavily, they should be beating. If they, especially if they have aspirations for, you know, medals in Tokyo, you know, th- these are the games that they've got to actually finally, you know, put, plant their flag. Yeah, 100%, um, Adam. It's uh, no excuses uh, for, for the ladies. Um, it, it was um, slightly disappointing to a degree that they got beaten as, as badly as they did. Um, again, lots of excuses being trawled out, what, what have you, but uh, the, the, these are this is a time for them to shine. It's time for, for the likes of Sam Kerr to really step up and, and show the way for some of the younger um, inexperienced players that, that are in this squad. Um, and it's really a time for those leaders to step up within the within the Matilda setup, I think, if they, they want to um, take the Olympics seriously. Yeah, that's absolutely a, a must-do. And look, I'm not saying they need to come out and win these games, you know, 4-0, 5-0, but... As long as they can just show us something about um, something to get optimistic about, like if they go and lose, um, you know, ten one or whatever the aggregate was from their last two matches, that's when I start to get a little bit concerned and wonder if maybe we've overrated their chances. I do also have to make one very very minor correction. Um, uncapped defender Courtney Nevin is currently playing for Blacktown Spartans in New South Wales in the NPL New South Wales as well. So she's another player. She's the one Australian-based player that has been selected in this thing. At least that's according to the club list that I believe the FFA, uh, FA, whatever we're calling them, sent out, Scott? Yeah, that's some new official releases. Okay. Also, also, Kyra Cooney-Cross is also in the squad, so oh she's also... Yes. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> never mind me. I'm going blind and senile, which, you know, is really good when uh, I'm running this show here. But, uh, <laughs> but I should also say as well, on a much more positive note, uh, Emily Van Egmond uh, is in line for her 100th Matilda's cap, so congratulations wow. to her on that. And uh, fantastic achievement. Now, for the other Australian football team competing in the Olympics, assuming they go ahead, as every uh, Olympics-related Message has to be um, dealt with right now. The Oliroots, they lost their first game of a training camp to Ireland overnight, 2-1. They've got more games coming up against Saudi Arabia, Romania, and Mexico. Scott, you asked how many of this group will actually go to Tokyo. Can I jokingly say none? It's a fair <laughs> shot because if you look at the, <laughs> the, the Socceroos squad, you'd have to assume all the young players, 23 and under or 24 and under, age eligible, whatever you want to say it, in the soccer but they'll probably all go. There's still a handful of players in the A-League who are age-appropriate guys like Tom Glover, who is not in the Socceroos, not in that camp over in Marbella, who had a great qualification tournament. Guys like that will step up into the Olympics, what you would assume. There might be overage players. I'll have to wait and see. So it could literally be just Daniel Arzani out of that group who makes it over there. If he plays well in these remaining three games, I don't know. What he did last night, didn't six. I was travelling home from Redcliffe, but he might be. There might only be one or two spots for 15, 16, however many players are over there. So it's a big opportunity for them. It's great to get them all together, but I'm not sure how many are going to go. 
I'm just disappointed that you missed the joke of none of them will go to the Olympics because they won't happen. But oh, anyway, I was leaving it wide open for you. <laughs> I said, that's why I said, can I say none will go to the Olympics? Anyway, Alex, what are you looking for from this squad? Obviously, Daniel Arzani is probably the biggest name on there, but you've also got Caleb Watts, who has uh, made the least interesting Premier League club, Southampton, somewhat interesting. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, uh, he, he, he buzzes about the ball last night. Um, I, I caught um, uh, most of the game. I fell asleep in the second half, but let's not talk about that. Um, no, but thank you for that. Performance. Um, but, yeah, Caleb Watts was busy. Um, you know, we'd like to see maybe a little bit more of an end product from him, I, I would say, um, an attacking threat. Um, but, look, he's he's probably in the frame as well. Uh, Azani's, you know, pretty much a certainty, as, as we've said. Uh, Watts would be in there. I think the other lad from uh, Fulham, um, Francois, Francois. Yeah, Tyrese Francois. Yeah, uh, he he might be in the frame as well. He looked uh, sharpish yesterday uh, in the game, but um, look, yeah, it, it doesn't look a whole lot great for the rest of them. Uh, I was interested to see the uh, Maitland Brewer, the, the Ashley Maynard Brewer. Brewer from Charlton yeah. Athletic. Yeah, yeah, on the bench, I, I might have thought he would have started. I thought he would would have been in contention for for the final squad. Um, he'd been playing quite well um, in in the lower divisions in England, but um, yeah, wasn't starting last night. Not sure if that was a Ben Egmont call or or what have you, but um, yeah, that was uh, one one of the many disappointments from that game for me. Yeah, well, and Adam, it just does feel like it's a case of just doing a bit of scouting, doing a bit of, I suppose, overall reconnaissance, just learning about some of these players because we have seen, you know, Watts and uh, some of the other players really break through this season. Is it just a case of trying to get eyes on uh, some of these players in the national team setup? Yeah, look, um, a lot of these players, it's amazing actually how many uh, young players are actually playing in Europe. You listen to the naysayers, you think that no one is, no, there are no Australians. So the fact that you've got, you know, this, this group of players assembled that, you know, most, most, uh, most of you know casual fans would never would have heard of. Um, yeah, it's actually it's actually quite encouraging. Like again, I I don't think you you can see many of them at this Olympics. Uh, but uh, like I said, but it's a good chance to sort of at least get some you know get some eyes on a few of these younger players that you know are not household names in uh, the Australian national team setup. Yeah, one last point for me, James. One player I'd love to get an opportunity at Olympics is from a Queensland point of view. Is young, I'm going to butcher his name here big time, but Jay Rich Baglow, I think is how you pronounce it. Uh, the young kid from Palm Beach down there doing great things for Crystal Palace in their 23. So I'm intrigued to see how he goes. So, But it's, I, I don't think many of these players are going to be going to the Olympics, unfortunately, because the group who qualified is actually, I think they deserve to go for the most part. That's the problem. That's the problem with the 2008 team there. We had a really good generation of players qualify, and then they bring in a couple of overage players, and those guys don't get their shots. So I think the players who qualified should be the predominant players who go. Definitely. All right. We've got one last topic to cover in this. So, Alex, you've dealt with us for this uh, long. We'll just give you another few minutes on the show. Why yeah. not? <laughs> Why and not? Uh, yeah. <laughs> talk about Saturday afternoon up at Morton Daly Stadium, Brisbane Raw, Sydney FC. It's not quite for all the marbles, but it could very well be a preview of the A-League semi-final, depending on some of the other results for the weekend. It will be, excuse me, that water bottle is just really coming back to bite me, apparently. Um, it will be the third meeting between the Roar and Sydney. They have not been able to be separated 
just yet with a nil-nil draw in Sydney in February before a 1-1 draw in Redcliffe a couple of weeks later. I'm not going to run through all the finals permutations. Just quite simply, if the Raw win, they finish in third place. Everything else comes down to the results of Central Coast, MacArthur and Adelaide. They can all overtake the Raw should they drop points on Saturday. And uh, I believe the first of those teams, Adelaide, is in action uh, in about 45 minutes from now. So we'll try and wrap this up relatively quickly so we can go watch that. Um, Scott, do you rest players knowing that it has been quite a busy uh, fixture list? Or would you say, screw it, let's go out and try and get some momentum and a bit of confidence against Sydney FC? Do you rest everybody who needs to be rested? And that obviously includes Tom Aldrin, McCauley Gillespie, who didn't play last night. They should not be playing in any way whatsoever on Saturday afternoon at, at Dolphin Stadium, including in the Legends match beforehand. I don't need to be playing in that either. <laughs> I, would be rest, I would be resting Jay O'Shea. He's been playing significantly heavy minutes in this long run. I'll be resting Corey Brown as well. He's been playing significantly heavy minutes. And any, any other, any of the young guys, if they do need a rest, James, this is the time to do it. Freshen up for the final series. I think they can get, they might be able to get a point off Sydney anyway, which could be enough to finish in the top four. So the priority is getting to the finals fresh. You don't want to get there and put all this effort in to get a home final and just and fall over on your face because you're flat. So I would be taking the chance to freshen up with anyone who needs it. Adam, do you buy into the idea that you could take an awful lot of confidence? Uh, the Raw, I mean, could take an awful lot of confidence. So by getting one over, what is still a fairly strong Sydney FC side? Uh, look, to be honest, I, I don't. At the end of the day, I, I think you know, going out and beating Sydney, you know, handsomely on Saturday, I really don't think it gains much as far as that meeting. Uh, goes because at the end of the day, if then Sydney come out and absolutely trounce a you know a heavily you know, fatigued raw side in the semis, that's the game we're going to remember. So look, it'd be nice to you just don't discard it, but also as well, I wouldn't take too much stock in going out there and you know having an impressive win you know on Saturday because a week later you might play them again you know on their turf and they may just absolutely you know run all over the top. So it's 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 a very interesting um, predicament, but also as well the fact that the Raw will know at least two results as far as you know who's in front of them or who has missed a chance to go in front of them before they take the field at 3 p.m. on Saturday. I think it's also going to play into the mind of the, you know, the selections. But um, to to point, you know, Corey Brown, um, you'd hope that he's rested. What what we heard at the presser last night about his efforts uh, last you know, last night. Uh, yeah, look, he he's just been an absolute warrior, you know, over his past run. Scott, um, oh, sorry, I yeah, Alex, I meant to throw to Alex there. I'm just completely off my game trying <laughs> to work out the A League ladder and do maths in my head. So, nah, Alex, all good, all good, uh, no worries. Uh, yeah, look, it, it's the uh, it's the constant conundrum of, of football managers, and I guess um, you know you could also throw in that debate of the. Uh, you know the the same time kickoffs in a scenario like this to prevent squad rotation. Um, so look, uh, it's it's always an interesting one. Um, it does give Warren Moon a bit of a bit of leeway as to who he picks and sticks with. Um, yeah, you'd you'd hope that uh, Corey gets a rest uh, on Saturday, regardless of of the the result needed. It's a fine balance, um, but look, Warren Moon has has done little wrong this season. I, 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 
personally, that's what I think. Uh, and I'm sure he'll get the, the calls right on Saturday. We like Warren a lot on this show, if it hasn't been <laughs> obvious to anyone listening. Um, but yeah, Scott, you did uh, just bring up there as well, MacArthur, who are in fifth place. They're playing on Friday night as well against a Wellington side that may have something to play for. They may not. That'll also be dependent on the Adelaide results. And realistically, I just, I mean, if Wellington need to win to get into the finals, I absolutely could see them doing it. So best case scenario for the Raw, they could be in a position where they're able to almost choose their finals opponent uh, or at least gamble on who their finals opponent will be because they may know who's going to be fifth and or sixth heading into the match. I hate the idea of choosing your opponents. I go back to a uh, basketball oh. fan as well. I go back to the boomers. They deliberately chose to play against Turkey from memory and they got beaten on the end of it. So I don't want to choose your opponent, but it may end up working out for them perfectly because the best case scenario is that Western Sydney takes something off Adelaide tonight, which keeps Wellington alive, who then may take something off MacArthur which means that those two teams have dropped points anyway, which means you're guaranteed a top four finish before you kick off. So that would be the best case scenario. But it's, I agree with Alex. I said this before. I would love to see those games played at the same time. Could you imagine it? Mm. Yeah. Could you imagine the, the, the stress for all of us? It would be, it'd be absolutely fantastic for one day of the year. Maybe the new broadcaster with their streaming platform might be able to organize that for us. Yeah. We can we can only hope because it would it would yeah, have been absolutely incredible that you know you you would have had you would have had the games you, know, you had tonight's game Adelaide and Western Sydney MacArthur and um, MacArthur and Wellington tomorrow Raw Sydney and Central Coast and Western United all have a meaningful you know, play as far as who finishes where and all kicking off at the same time. Wow, the head would have been spinning by the end of it about getting a find out who finishes from between you know three and seven. I can I can honestly say that uh, my phone battery would almost certainly be dead at the end of those two hours. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. All right, so final prediction, Scott. What are we going to be talking about this time next week? Raw hosting a home final at Dolphin Stadium against Macarthur. Okay, there we go. Not Adam, my what choice, are we going just to... the way it pans out. There we go. Adam, what are we going to be talking about this time next week? Uh, Roar in the finals. <laughs> uh, really going, <laughs> really yeah, sorry, going out on a limb there. And Alex, I'm going to slightly change the question for you since you are our national team's go-to. What Socceroos slash Matilda slash Ollie Roos stuff we'll be talking about this time next week. Okay, righto. Well, I did think (laughs) of a bold prediction uh, Socceroos-wise, so I'm glad that you did uh, adjust the question for me. Uh, I'm going to say a Adam Trustic masterclass against Q8 uh, laying on two goals for um, I'm not sure who, but uh, at least two assists. There we go. Okay, we'll throw it. From right back to bed down the position. Yeah, not right. There we go. <laughs> Rahayan Grant. Okay. So, um, yes. But, uh, thank you very much, Alex, for taking the time to join us this evening. How can people get in touch with the Queensland Socceroos fans? Yes. No worries, James. I've written it down as always. Uh, You're doing better than me. <laughs> <laughs> so, on Facebook, you can get us at QLD, uh, capital S Socceroos fans. Uh, that's the Facebook page. On Twitter, the Twitter handle is at Socceroos Queensland QLD. Uh, QLD being in All right. Sounds good. Um, and that is 
also going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. I do have one final uh, plug to make as well. We obviously didn't have uh, the time to get to any NPL or FFA Cup stories. Um, so for your local league fix, make sure you listen to the Brisbane Football Review's NPL Sunday show featuring, hang on, uh, Scott and Adam. Okay, good to know. All right, and most importantly, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Scott. Good to talk to you again, James. Good to talk to you again, Alex. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a very long time. Okay, and thank you, James. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks, Alex, for jumping on board. And, uh, Alex, one final question. Should I get the Socceroos home or away jersey? Oh, home. That home jersey. Oh, yeah, I'm getting one myself. There we go. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Get out and enjoy the football this weekend. You've got the Raw. You've got NPL. You've got all sorts of stuff all over the place. We'll be back to talk about it next week on the Brisbane Football Review.